to a storm of spoilers of season two. My name is Dave Gonzalez, and in honor of Ocean's Eleven, I'm sorry, Ocean's Eight, because I just realized, you know, saying it out loud, it's so they could have a trilogy that then lines up with the other Ocean's numbers. I'm going to reveal that I would rob the Costco off US 36 in Louisville, Colorado, Superior, Colorado, actually, because I actually sort of cased it as a teenager, Jeez. and I think I still know how I'd do it. Okay, uh, I'm Joanna Robinson, and if I were to rob, of, if I were to pull a heist on something, I would pull a heist on the 2017 much maligned Fire Festival, the music festival that took place in the Bahamian island of Great Exuma over two weekends in April, and May 2017, because I really love parting rich, dumb people with their money. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Neil Miller, and along that same theme. If I were to pull off a heist, I would try to steal Elon Musk's PayPal password because uh, Elon Musk, uh, as you know, very rich person, uh, Tesla dude, but his claim to many of his most billiony billions was that he was one of the founders of PayPal. And so if his PayPal is associated with his bank account, I would just take all of Elon Musk's money. Then I could go to space. I like that. You should try uh, Got Grimes with a zero for the O and a three for the E. Uh. <laughs> Something Grimes related. Oh. Red Pill Grimes. Uh, hey, not- uh, my name is Joanna Robinson, and if I were to pick someone to join the cast of Ocean's 8 uh, in order to make it an Ocean's 9, I would pick Kristen Stewart. Oh, that's Whoa. good. That should have been... If we were doing an Ocean's 8 episode, <laughs> that should have been our thing. I know. I just decided to do it now before it was like completely out of date of when I just, it just occurred to me that I wanted to do that as an intro instead. No, that's good. And Kate Blanchett could be like, oh no, my ex-girlfriend's here. And they'll be like, the really young baby one that got attached to you early on. And they'll be like, yeah. And then Kristen Stewart in leather jacket and then whatever else she wants to do. So much leather. Uh, all my so much motorci- leather. All motorcycles. Mm. <laughs> this is Storm of Spoilers, here to answer your questions that you sent to us. Uh, and we're usually a podcast about Game of Thrones and other pop culture. Presumably, you know why you're here. This is not necessarily an episode that I would start following us with, but you will definitely hear a lot of interesting answers to a lot of interesting pop culture questions, most of which will be factually relevant. But before that... Joanna, do we have any reviews? We do. We have a few. Um, I am going to start with this one from Amber Vix. Lovely. Uh, Storm chasing five stars. (laughs) Amber Vix writes, the excessive thunderstorm sounds signaling the start of the new storm chasing segment made me laugh so hard that I had to pause the podcast and leave my very first review. You guys, this podcast is great. I started listening for the Game of Thrones coverage and have stuck around for the off season tour. Uh, 
The humor and insight that the hosts bring to each topic is highly entertaining, and I really enjoy the report among them, like when Neil asks for a thunderclap sound effect and Dave obliges for 45 seconds. (laughs) (laughs) Dave, Neil, and Joanna are all great and share the mic in a really natural way that feels like listening to a conversation among friends. Looking forward to more great content. Thank you, Amber Vicks. As I told the guys off air, I hadn't listened to last week's podcast, so I didn't know that Dave had done that. So uh, it was great. All right. Uh, This one is two stars from Not Thanos. The uh, review says expectations. If you want to like this podcast, be sure to have expectations low. Oh, it's kind of like poetic. Be sure to have expectations low. Unlike how the hosts treat most movies and shows and nitpick away at all small details that one of the hosts disagree with. Stick to Game of Thrones. Um... Oh man, I've never gotten a stick to Game of Thrones before. I know. Stick This is exciting. Stick stick to not politics. All right, and then I'm going to close out with this one from Rosebear24, a fantastic pop culture podcast, five stars. I've been listening to the show for years and now follow Joanna, Dave, and Neil in their many endeavors. They manage to be smart and insightful, but balanced with irreverence and humor. I love the thorough examination of Game of Thrones, and now the rest of pop culture can have the same treatment. You will notice a pattern through the reviews that many regular listeners develop a deep affection for these three wonderful people. Their sense of humor and humanity has been a highlight of my week through some rough times. I hope they continue podcasting for decades to come. And so I am proud to be one of their Patreons, patrons. Well, I'm happy to give them my money every month. Oh, and the people that complain about my social justice warrior queen. Oh, that's me. Can calm down. I'm often frustrated by creative choices made in pop culture. Wait, how do you know that's not me? Sorry, Neil. (laughs) (laughs) Your majesty, Neil. I'm often frustrated by creative choices made in pop culture regarding all other identities and hearing someone point out some of the problems of representation is welcome love you guys hashtag ain't never gonna fall down 2018 that's just tempting fate rosebear 24 that's that's dangerous (laughs) all right well thank you guys for the reviews i really appreciate it and uh with this uh beginning of 45 seconds of storm sounds you know what that means now neil we're in the we're in storm chasing yes we're going storm chasing cue the storm clouds or thunder, or whatever. doesn't matter. Cue whatever you want. Anyway, this is our new segment where uh, we talk about the one pop culture storm that we are chasing this week uh, individually. Uh, that can include a movie, show, book, story, podcast, etc. that you are obsessed with. Uh, once again, I will start and provide the example for all to follow. Uh, this weekend, I had some time off because... Um, I had planned to go on a trip and then ended up not being able to go for various being poor reasons. Uh, and so I had the weekend off though, of all my jobs. I didn't have to do any film school reject stuff and I didn't have to work any of my side hustles. And, uh, so I didn't know what to do with myself. And what I ended up doing was hanging out with the dog and listening to and watching a lot of great stand-up. It started with, uh, I went back and rewatched Michelle Wolf's Nice Lady, which is on HBO, which is very funny, and you should definitely be watching her Netflix show, uh, and you should definitely watch what she did at the Correspondence Dinner. Michelle Wolf, great stuff. Also recently watched Ali Wong. Uh, not only her Baby Cobra special, which is a few years old, but the new one, Hard Knock Wife. So good. Awesome. This all led me to uh, Sunday afternoon, chilling on the couch, imbibing some Austin East Siders Blood Orange Cider, listening to one of my all-time favorites, Mitch Hedberg. 
So I listened to th- all three Mitch Hedberg albums, and they're just a lot of comedy, a lot of stand-up comedy. I think uh, a lot of the best of it is stuff that you don't think of as being of its own time. Like, you know, like all the comedians that are up on stage doing Trump jokes right now, like that's probably not the most resonant humor that's going to come out of this era. The, the really but it good will stuff. be the last. But, <laughs> da, 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 da. <laughs> but it, stuff like Mitch Hedberg, like you can listen to Mitch Hedberg 50 years from now, and it's still mostly going to make sense. Um, and it's very, very funny. And, and I, I adore Mitch Hedberg. So that's that's my pop culture storm this weekend was just the massive amount of stand-up comedy that I um, imbibed, I guess. So. Nice. I also like your picks because we are living at a point where I think stand-up comedy is the most accessible it's ever been to a wide audience. And like a lot of times when that happens, uh, you get a lot of it and a lot of it equals, you know, not always good, but you've got solid picks, you know, solid. Mm, thank picks. you. Yeah. One of the, thank co- you. one of the cool things about Ali, this is going to be on brand for me. One of the cool things about Ali Wong is not just that she's like a female comedian or she's an Asian comedian, but like she's heavily pregnant in her stand-up yeah, but special. In both of her specials. In both of her specials, years apart, two different pregnancies, heavily pregnant. And it is, and it like, she's amazing, but it's like an astonishing thing to see actually it feels like so um i don't know just like not controversial like you know like trailblazing to see a woman up there like super pregnant telling like sex jokes it's just it's fantastic um i will i will plus it and add one more even though that's not the subject of my segment and uh say that cameron esposito's uh special rape jokes i believe is what it's still Ooh, called yeah. that's one that i have to watch soon yeah is is up i believe on her website um i saw it a couple of weeks ago for a feature that i did on her and uh it's incredible it's really incredible so i would uh definitely recommend that cameron esposito uh can i dave can i steal the mic yeah Do yeah take the segue take the segue. all right um i would also recommend uh you know i imagine a lot of you are going to go see incredibles 2 the new pixar film that comes out in theaters this weekend um my i just wanted to underline for you uh, uh the interesting oddity that is the pixar short that's in front of this particular film i've for the fa- past few films uh you know gotten to interview the directors um of these of these various shorts we know pixar shorts have a long beautiful history my favorite up until now was piper uh which was in front of finding dory um and and was just like this beautiful sort of photorealistic uh completely you know wordless thing that sort of i think pushed the boundaries of what a pixar short can be this pushes it even further it is crazy (laughs) in my opinion it is a crazy crazy little pixar short it's uh kind of heartwarming but also like graphically disturbing at the same time so i'm not gonna like spoil it or guess talk about it too much in detail i just want to let you know it's been on my mind since i saw it a couple weeks ago and uh i'm really excited what is it for called it. it's called bow b-a-o and okay. um and i'm excited for you all to see it so we can discuss it it has to do with motherhood and dumplings so. all right Oh, it's fantastic. I saw it. It's fantastic. Yeah. Then we're doing it. We're doing a Incredibles 2 episode next week. I've decided. Good, good job. <laughs> good Just job, now, Dave. Pushing me over that it. cliff. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Everybody needs to see it now so we could talk about that short and the movie next week uh, for sure. I, unfortunately, for my storm, am going to be talking about a pop culture wave that you've probably missed by this point. We were recording this 
on Tuesday, the 12th, and there is a raccoon scaling a 25-story skyscraper in St. Paul, Minnesota. He has been doing it all day. He started uh, above the Skyway on uh, 7th Street in St. Paul of this building. They hypothesized he went up there to try to raid pigeons' nests or something. Got stuck. Uh, stayed there for about uh, 12 to 24 hours. They're not exactly sure. When they attempted to chase him down, he fled upwards and started climbing the concrete facade of the building. The windows don't open, and the St. Paul Fire Department has decided not to actually put people in danger or to cut open any of the windows. So what they've done is put cat food at the top of the building, since at this point, I believe he's alternating between the 22nd and 23rd floor window wells to take naps, hoping he gets up to the top where they have will feed him and get him in a live trap and take him down. Uh, the He could also climb down. And then the third option is this all ends horribly. But for a brief period of time on Twitter and on Facebook live streaming, and then eventually on the CBS channel that was live streaming, we all watched as a raccoon climbed a skyscraper. <laughs> NPR raccoon. <laughs> It's Sorry, interesting. I'm just looking at it now because <laughs> I missed it. This is, um, <laughs> it's so cute. <laughs> <laughs> this is like, remember that time somebody tried to uh, climb Trump Tower last year? This is like that, but it's less off-putting. Yeah, no, everybody's on the side of this raccoon. Because it involves a trash panda. <laughs> James Gunn was like, I will donate $1,000 to the political charity of whoever rescues this raccoon. Oh, my God. <laughs> Uh, so that's very that's very on brand for James Gunn. Yep, red state, He's blue state. We're all raccoon. we're all hoping NPR raccoon gets up that building uh, or down <laughs> that building safely at his own pace. Uh, so yeah, probably not still happening. But if you want to, the hashtag is NPR for Minnesota Public Radio raccoon, all one word on Twitter or Instagram or your social network of choice. Uh, Godspeed, raccoon. You get up that tower. Yeah, hopefully by the time people are listening to this, you're safe. I just put a... Okay, anyway. Sorry. (laughs) And with that, we move on to our next segment, which is a little self-serving, but also... Totally self-serving. Also tells you how to have more fun. Okay, so this is a good segue then. I just put a photo of the NPR raccoon in the Slack, <laughs> the Patreon Slack, because it's so cute. He is chilling. He's, he's like pressed up against the window. He's so cute. Right, you know what? Anyway. I'm giving that a Dave Rocks emoji. <laughs> yeah, awesome. <laughs> uh, what are, what are we talking about? Yeah, what are we talking about? At Patreon.com slash Storm of Spoilers, you could subscribe at one of several levels to this podcast that will give you, besides access to Slack, Access to a bunch of other perks, including extra segments of this podcast, uh, a book club with Joanna, uh, Neil's uh, foresight on Game of Thrones, and my... And maybe other things. I don't know yet. Neil's foresight on a lot of things. Neil's theory corner could... I mean, we could get weird. I have a lot of theories (laughs) about stuff. We could try to disprove that the world is a disc, which everybody knows that it's flat. Actually, that's one that I would never attempt. 
There's just a um, wall that nobody's ever just, tried to cross at the end of, end you of the world. You just can't. You can't win an argument with a flat earther. Is the thing like it's just impossible. Why Unless don't, you can fly that person into space, you birds, just can't win. Birds would fall up in the southern hemisphere, Neil, if your ridiculous globe theory was correct. <laughs> Um, we already got off the topic of the Patreon. Um, I just like to point out that for the notes for this segment, uh, I, <laughs> I just put, it's fun. Cause you know what? It is super fun and we've had a lot of fun with the slack and, um, we're having a lot of fun with like the book club and, um, well, I mean, people Actually, who are going to read, you know what, stuff. Jo- Joanna, what's slack? I've never heard of it before. Oh, that's a good question. Yeah, Slack is a uh, like an app or a <laughs> web page. Anyway, it's a it's platform. A, it's a chat system. It's basically just a like a place where we're all hanging out with like uh, two hundred of our listeners at this point, thereabouts, um, and talking about any number of things. There's a, it's basically like a big chat room. There's a bunch of side chat rooms that are pegged to different subjects, and so you can just find like-minded people. And what's been really fun and sweet to see already uh, from our Storm of Spoilers listeners is, is like people finding out that they live near each other, people recommending books to each other, people recommending video games to each other, people talking about movies they just saw in the theater. Like Everyone's just doing exactly what they should be doing, which is being awesome and chill and fun and Storm of Spoilers lovers, and we love you guys. I am just, I, like, honestly... I know this is self a self-serving segment, but I'm genuinely blown away by how like lovely all of our listeners are. I kind of knew it, but to see it on mass in the Slack is incredible. So it's been really, really, really fun. Uh, as the no- as the show notes say, it's fun. <laughs> it's fun. Come join um, our Slack. It's the Patreon.com/slash Storm of Spoilers, and you could sign up for all the details there. Yes, and this is where I would normally announce what our bonus segment is about. That's another Patreon reward, but I don't. We don't haven't picked one yet, so it's going to be about this goddamn <laughs> raccoon, depending on how it, it ends. Probably will be about the raccoon. Um, th- but that's a that's really one of the other big ones. One of the things that hasn't started yet is that you will get a bonus segment every week, which is just more podcast. So that's I'm very excited about that. We'll see how that. Yeah, come join us. This podcast is going to remain free and right where it is, but there's more should you want it. Patreon.com slash Star Wars Spoilers. And with that, to the meat of the mailbag mailbag episode, the actual mailbag. Um, I I could take this first one, I think. Email from Andre in Brazil. So, George confirmed one of the five spinoff successor prequel shows is going to be based on and maybe titled The Long Night with maybe some Todrick Stark action. The Night King. If you had to guess and wish for what some of the other ones would be about, what would that be? You may include talent as you wish, since Jane Goldman's participation makes a world of difference positive-wise about my interest in the green light in The Long Night pilot. I would wish for a more lackadaisical adventure show with Duncan Egg, but would guess Fire and Blood is one of the pilot scripts. I think that's a good guess uh, from Andre in Brazil. Yeah. That, that there's a Targaryen something in there. So we we are originally a Game of Thrones podcast, and hey, we've got like major Game of Thrones news, which is this spinoff uh, that was announced since we recorded our last episode, and and then George Martin blogged George R. R. Martin blogged about it yesterday. So we have even a little bit more smidge of information. Um, the big like hilarity that we all felt was that it seemed like it's uh, the spinoff. It, 
teases the origin of the White Walkers, which is like the story of Todrick Stark, which is the <laughs> joke the joke we already talked about from Con of Thrones. So like, uh, was HBO listening, and uh, is that where we're getting this prequel? But anyway, um, so the question is like, yes, the answer is yes. So the question is, uh, uh, some of the other like, like who do I want working on the other? Like we know who else is working on the others. Uh, successor shows um but i would agree that the targaryen fire and blood is definitely one of them martin said that there were you know we knew that there were five that they were thinking of we know they shelved one uh is what george R. martin said on his blog so they're now considering and then there were four that they were considering but this is the one that's gone to the pilot stage so westeros world is the one they shelved please oh, god bummer. Hot bummer. what no it's not <laughs> there's no way um, well, and that actually it was because it, that's my pick. My pick for the one that I wish will go forward is the one that involves Carly Ray, who wrote that amazing episode of Westworld mm-hmm. that we all just watched. Kicks, kicks um, yeah. And and I want that to be the one. So this is I'm going to steal this from our good friend Ashea, who's on History of Westeros podcast, uh, who did this at our great debate last year about the prequels, the story of Queen Nymeria. Uh, leading her people out of the destruction of uh, Valeria, essentially, uh, and leading them to Dorne and the whole, like the journey of those people to Dorne. Um, I think that'd be a very cool road trip show. Wouldn't it be kind of amazing if they also greenlit the Carly Rae project and then we had two Game of Thrones successor shows run by women on HBO? That would be amazing. I mean, it sounds like it's. it would definitely be uh, different from the current Game of Thrones writer <laughs> situation. Um, but no, I mean, those are the ones I'm rooting for, mostly because um, I've seen Jane Goldman's work, and I've seen Carly Rae's work recently. And like, even though I think Brian Helgeland, Brian Cogman, Max Bornstein are all talented, um, the ones I'm really interested in are Carly Rae and Jane Goldman. Like, just... A, if if it's just nothing but talent and they're you know we don't really know what they're about, then then those are the two that I'd rather see, rather hear from. Um, I do think the Age of Heroes thing is very fascinating though, um, because you could get into some stuff. Uh, I was talking during Con of Thrones a lot about Bran the Breaker and King Joramond and you know how the Long Night, the first Long Night, ended with this wildlings teaming up with the Stark in Winterfell. Uh, so there's a lot of really interesting stuff in there. Although here's my question. This is something I was thinking about the other day. There is definitely a difference between the Night King's origin in the books and the Night King's origin in the show. And George's so George is involved with this one. He's co-writing it. Mm. The question, or he's he's helping. He's helping. He's involved in all. Of he's them. working he's, on he, it. He's consulting. He's say. consulting. Okay. Oh, I thought I saw somewhere where he was going to write it, but or he was going to co-write, but doesn't matter. His, George is involved. His his blog is very like very emphatic that like he's consulting with all the creators, but like this is not his show. Sure. Okay. Uh, my question sorry. is one of it's one of continuity. <laughs> so if these are going to be George influenced shows, is he going is he going to be basically doing them? With a you know HBO continuity that is different than the books, like are they going to tell the story of the Long Night from the books, or are they going to make it up 
new. Well, what's sort of what's been interesting about both the uh, official HBO statement and uh, Martin's blog is they both have this language about how like the history of of the Long Night or history of the Age of the Heroes that we think we know is not what we think we know. Um, like HBO said uh, that. Um, they literally said it's not the story we think we know and then Martin said you know this thing about like well we only have the maester's word for it and then that's known in in the context of Song of Ice and Fire there's a quote from Samuel Tarly in Feast for Crows where he's like the history of this time period was written by the maesters and like there's a lot of conflict over what actually happened that being said what we saw in the original Game of Thrones series the one that still has one more season to go was like a vision from Bran. And so that feels different from whatever it was. The Maesters wrote down, do you know? And so yeah, is the Maester version, the version that's in George's books and is the real version, what Bran saw in the vision on the show. Um, and is that just a way for them to cover the continuity gaps that you're talking about here, Neil? Well, yeah. And we're, I mean, we're going to get to season eight and we're going to find out that Sam is the one writing the books and Sam is really George. Um, so, so I guess that's all true. Um, I, um, I just, I just want to make sure that Todd Stark is canon. I think that's I'm long. I'm taking a long way here. <laughs> um, I think what's uh, interesting is, um, you know, you, you talked about Brand the Breaker, and there's obviously also Brand the Builder and Land the Clever, and all these other sort of figures that uh, the, the book readers or or people who are familiar with the history know. But what I'm kind of, you know, I was listening to, we, you know, we've we've got these. Uh, con friends con the con of thrones friends who are the mods on the asanga vice and fire reddit who have a uh a podcast called maester monthly and they were sort of talking about this possibility of characters like brand the builder or, or land the clever being uh amalgamations of real people and and i was thinking about that and thinking about jane goldman and what she's really good at and one of the things um she wrote my one of my favorite comic book movies of all time which is x-men first class which i think you know, for all its like minor flaws, does a really good job of taking like the legend of Charles and Eric, Charles Xavier and Eric Lyncher and uh, Magneto and um, Professor X and making it feel just like really a really human, relatable conflict and falling out between friends and uh, as played by James McAvoy and Michael Fassbender. It's, it's like my favorite thing that has ever existed in an X-Men movie is that relationship that she wrote of two iconic sort of towering like figures. Um, and so her ability to do that is something that I hope she will apply to someone like Brand the Builder or Land the Clever and like to uncover a, a human story inside the legends that we are already kind of aware of. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. That's what I've been asking for with star Wars for like, since star Wars existed. Right. So I'm right on it. Yeah. As, as opposed to like someone being like, Oh, Lan, you're so clever. (laughs) Then we're like (laughs) solo. Exactly. Star Wars story. (laughs) What do you call that one? Bran. Well, there are 50 brands. Well, he builds things. (laughs) Ah, Bran the Builder. That's what we should call you. Where did he get his walking stick? I want to know. It it makes sense. (laughs) It it makes sense for Bran the Builder to be an amalgamation because like it's crazy 
to believe that one person built the wall and Storm's End and blah, 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 and the gift and like all the things that are attributed to Bran the Builder. So I like Unless it's not crazy. Well, I just like. And he's magic. I like this idea of, you know, like what if the ice spiders were actually, you know, biggest cats? You know, it's just like like uncovering nope. uncovering hounds. the truth. Only hounds. Uncovering the truth behind the legend. I think that's a really fascinating premise. And it, it is a little crazy that they're not doing the Targaryen show first. Um, I don't know if that's a budgetary thing. Um, but Martin, you know, is releasing his Fire and Blood books. And so I think a lot of people, his Targaryen history books. So I think a lot of people thought, well, duh, he's racing to do that. So that one, like, HBO doesn't beat him again to the punch, right? Um, uh, but that's not the case. Though, of course, there are still three other shows in development. Uh, and I'm, I agree with our listener that surely one of them is a Targaryen uh, story. Yeah, well, you got to just look from the perspective of HBO, too. They don't want to stray too far from what they think makes Game of Thrones successful, which is stuff like the White Walkers, stuff like the Starks, stuff like dragons and nudity. So you well, can yeah, imagine and, and that those are going to be the ones, the things they covet beforehand. And each sort of like major player, major family, essentially has their own sort of interesting story. So like this one is sort of very stark driven the long night and then you have um you know fire and blood or the stories of valeria uh that would be targaryen and then you know there's a martell one out there i'm just saying yeah no and i agree with andre that like something more lackadaisical i believe is what he said would also be great because i had liked the show when it was about medieval politics and exactly. still do and would yeah. watch a whole show about that and uh, like what i that learned can be uh if there's like a you know the rise of the lannisters yeah, I don't know about that. That still has a bunch Young of incest. Tywin. Actually, yeah, a bunch of incest. A Game might... of Thrones story. Yeah, a whole a whole a series about uh, who who Tyrion's uh, real real mother was, or the Iron Bank, a Game of Thrones story. Yes, oh excellent. God. More Gaddis. <laughs> which religion is right? <laughs> which religion is right? <laughs> Um, but yeah, so, you know, it's, it's, it's very interesting, all of these ideas. And I agree with you, like, I, I really hope, uh, like, you know, there's, there's the potential, if they call it the long night, you know, George says in his blog, like, the long night, that says it all. So that's like, you know, kind of a retread of the show we're currently watching, right? The, the, the others take over, they drive the children in the forest, and then, the, you know, the first men down south. Uh, there's a big, you know, Azora High rises, there's the battle for the dawn, the big battle, and then, you know, uh, the, the winter's over. And that's sort of the story we're see play out. I you know, imagine that they're going to want to go for some of these big battles and, and they might not have dragons in them, but they'll have ice spiders as big as at least cats. Um, but I agree that like the original pitch for Game of Thrones that Weiss and Benioff did was uh, Sopranos meets Middle Earth. That's the show I really prefer. <laughs> People talking in rooms. Uh, I know I'm not necessarily in the majority in that, and uh, but I would love to have some of that. And I think that that is the kind of story that Jane Goldman would be somewhat more interested in telling. You know, like she also did Stardust, which is I think the most successful Neil Gaiman adaptation that's been on the screen, and um, and that is you know she's worked with Matthew Vaughn a lot basically, and that is um, once again. Uh, hinges on character in a way that like underpins the like the fantastical spectacle of it so i'm I'm a big jane goldman fan and i think she is a really a really strong uh, sense of character and that's as we all know what i'm here for 
Nice. Yeah, I'm I'm also for Jane Goldman. She's great. Sweet. Cool. All right, uh, let's move on to the next question. Do it. All right, so this is an email from Jesse. Uh, this is about, uh, we talked about Deadpool recently. And Jesse writes, I doubt the Deadpool universe really cares about continuity or the comic books, but there are just some things I struggled to get over while watching. The movie establishes Professor X is there in the mansion. Oh, spoiler alert for Deadpool, by the way. Um, Actively avoiding Deadpool, but I found it very hard to imagine a world in the comics or cartoons where uh, Xavier would ignore the presence of his helmeted brother being free and causing mayhem. Uh, Of course, talking about uh, Juggernaut, right? Yeah. Their brothers? Yeah. They're brothers. Bitch! Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Further, is this cable we are seeing Nathan Summers? Uh, Is it not extremely weird that it is established that his teenage father, Scott, is in this timeline? Is this going to be brushed aside or mimed eventually for comedy? Maybe it doesn't even matter, but the whole Nathan storyline in the comics was one of my favorites, so I spent a lot of time while watching, expecting them to grapple with Cable realizing his teenage parents were still around, kinda. It's possible I'm the only person out there who likes most version of Cyclops, but this is such an obvious, crazy storyline, I have to think someone else has thought of it. I totally get it if you guys don't even want to bother, but it felt good to get this off my chest. Um, I think this is fascinating. I don't think I'm super confident that Deadpool cares, but, I mean, if, let me say this, if Deadpool, I mean, obviously Deadpool 2, very successful, just like Deadpool 1, if they decide to do what we talked about when we talked about this on our Deadpool episode and sort of bring a couple more of the X-Men into the fray of the franchise that's going well, that's a really interesting storyline, maybe, for an X-Force movie. I'll or go, I'll go one more on use. that. That would be the most interesting thing Cyclops has had to do on screen ever, which is why I'm in favor of it coming back. Yes, it's confusing. Yes, it's time travel mumbo-jumbo from 90s comic books. But But it's also just like back to the future. Cyclops, they had James Marsden. They had James Marsden. And Cyclops still has not done anything interesting on camera ever, says me. Uh, Ty Sheridan, you know, he's got some, he's still got some time to put in. So his, he likes making movies where he wears a headset. Uh-huh. His his reign his reign of headsetery isn't over, but it's amazing to me that like Cyclops even in the animated series was like a sop, but that the movies has been unable to like adapt him beyond that. Cyclops is a lot of things. He's a complex mutant like a lot of that's been written by hundreds of different people. Why can't somebody figure out a good way to put him on screen? So yeah, I'm into yeah. I'm into this. I want Cable to be related to Cyclops still. You're right. Uh, the Jesse's right that I don't think Deadpool cares about it, but I do think it's a cool way to if Deadpool starts dominating over the X Men team things like we were talking about on our episode to give Cyclops something to do and maybe keep uh, Ty Sheridan in headsets for a little longer. Uh, all right, all right. Uh, Joanna, do you would you bring back James Marsden? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, if you had to choose James Marsden or Ty Sheridan, oh, Marsden, who, who are you taking? Marsden. Okay, I, that's what I was, that's what I'm saying. Uh, do you have any other thoughts on this? 
I think it's foolhardy to try to chase continuity and Deadpoolish a movie that like put Hugh Jackman on the cover of People and also has like Wolverine. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't care about anything. Yeah. Or also, yeah, we, I don't we think talked they about, care, but we, I think it's interesting. We talked about not not foolhardy in a shitty way. I'm just saying, like you know, it's it is fun. It's fun to talk about. Um, I. Uh, uh, we already talked about last. I already did this last last week when I was like, "Why is it James McAvoy's uh, Professor X and oh, not Patrick yeah. Stewart's?" Pa- you know, Professor X. That makes no sense to me. So, you know. I mean, I think they definitely have to do Marsden then. No, just because that's the most Deadpool thing to do. Right, Marsden and James McAvoy. Also, <laughs> I would watch a like Marsden, James McAvoy, Josh Brolin, Ryan Reynolds movie. I don't know I would watch that combination, but with Ty Sheridan switched out for Marsden. I don't know if that team that team up's interesting to me. No? Just me? Yeah. No, I mean, just like if if they were in any movie, like if they were in like a Wild Hogs reboot. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> Get Ty Sheridan out of here. <laughs> Poor Ty uh, Sheridan. Okay. <laughs> Ty, just uh, we, go, let's just go we watch mud ty sharon sheridan was great in mud back, he back was great he was in great. mud yeah yeah well okay uh speaking of which ready Player wait, One wait. Is out this week on digital what if we replaced ty sheridan with jacob laughlin who <laughs> was also in mud <laughs> just, just swap one mud boy for another <laughs> now we're just getting weird will you notice um, he has a headset on you won't notice I, I guarantee you, Probably if you put not. Jacob Laughlin in a headset, it would take you 20 minutes of watching a movie to be like, hey, wait, that's the other mud boy. So, you know. <laughs> All right. <laughs> watch, All right. Watch mud. It's a good movie. Watch mud. Don't it's mistakenly great. watch Joe thinking that it's mud, which is something that I did the year those both movies came out. But uh, Oh, yeah. It, or, or watch Joe's also good, but it's not mud. Right. Um. Super hashtag okay. super relatable podcast. <laughs> I'm finally going to move on to the next question. Hashtag mudslingers. Hashtag <laughs> Trevor's mud crossover. <laughs> hashtag get back to the hashtag uh, don't get tied like, down. Can you make a mud emoji? <laughs> <laughs> hashtag um, the tremors are in the mud. Okay, yes. All right. Speaking of the Slack, this one came from the Slack from Blangadanga, who also follows us on Twitter. I know that Twitter handle. Um, and this one is I was was I'm cautious in putting this one in because this could turn into Dave goes on for like 30 minutes. But let's see how it goes when we ask, uh, Dave, do you have any thoughts on the E3 trailer for The Last of Us 2? Do I? I believe it was more about my thoughts on the graphics of it since it looks amazing and we don't need to necessarily yeah, talk. Yeah, Gonzalez Yeah, talk. we don't need to necessarily talk about the advancements in gameplay and where the, what the hell's happening given the cliffhanger of Last of Us 1. But... We can talk about this uh, mainly because the uh, motion, the performance capture is amazing in this Last of Us 2 gameplay trailer. It starts in a dance. We're in a compound somewhere. Things look nice. We get a grown-up Ellie who is looking at uh, another character who we find out, I believe, is named Dara. But uh, Dara is voiced, by the way, by Shannon Woodward, uh, who is... Uh, West Elsie, of Westworld uh, fame. Of Westworld fame. And uh, Ellie is Ashley Johnson of Critical Role fame and uh, one season, a couple seasons of American Horror Story. Uh, I can't, that's probably, a, yeah, a Critical Role podcast. She's a voice actress. Uh, but this time, 
They got some amazing performance capture performances, both on her face and uh, on her body for the more physical parts of the gameplay, which means that we're getting closer towards video games that don't need to outwardly communicate things. They could rely specifically on reactions that we'll all recognize as real human facial expressions, uh, which, you know, movies have been there, depending on what you thought about Snoke. For a while, uh, games have now caught up to that. Uh, The other big reveal, although I just praised it for possibly being able to be subtle, I also give it big claps for having a big old lesbian kiss that leads yeah. into a neck stabbing. Uh, a lot I of know nothing thought- about I know nothing about this video game except Shannon Woodward's been posting like hella gay stuff on uh, on Twitter about it. So now all of a sudden I'm interested. But yeah, yeah, a lot uh, of people thought you, Ellie was uh, queer from uh, like hinted at hints in The Last of Us and the downloaded content. Uh, so it was sort of like a big statement for a naughty dog to do have this be part of it, which is good. It's positive things, positive character development. Also, I see your mean girls, uh, reference and I appreciate it. Yay. Uh, so yeah, that was last of us two. It looks really good. Uh, if we do want to have some nitpicks, uh, performance capture paired with more traditional video game character model animation still is not doing weight well enough for me. Look how people drink, look how people dance, when Dara's dipped by her dancing partner, if you could look away from the faces, which are amazing, the bodies and the fabrics aren't moving as well as they could because it's a video game and they've all been created and modeled to be used later in the game. So the fabrics look great in actual gameplay footage where you could interact with things and uh, you know it actually has a textural effect but when you're trying to make use those same engines with just some perform face performance capture laid over it to do full cinematics, it's still not you know your Pixar, your actual animated movies. Uh, not there yet, but game looks really good. Nice. All right, next. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, we're so bad at mailbags. How are we bad at mailbags? We do like a million of these. We're I think great at mailbags. We're just, we should save the Dave monologue question for the end of each episode. Yeah, I, I, that was bad planning on my part. <laughs> uh, okay, so this this next question, uh, they requested that Joanna read it in a half Australian, half British accent. Joanna, can you do a half Australian, half British accent like Chris Hemsworth in Thor? Probably not, but hold on just one second. I, I, as I was staring at the gayness on Shannon Woodward's Twitter feed, I realized that I need to go back and correct something very important of oh. what Dave said about Ashley Johnson and what she's famous for. Um, Ashley Johnson is Chrissy from Growing Pains, so that's really important. I just think we all Whoa. have to like, understand. I, as a Tremors <laughs> podcast, I should have been on top of that. I'm sorry. <laughs> Uh yeah, she's also the waitress in, you know, um Avengers. Avengers. <laughs> but when she showed up in Avengers, I was like, "Hey, it's grown up Chrissy from Growing Pains." Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. What what accent do I have to do right now? An Australian British accent? Uh yeah, so we got an email from Guy who said bonus points if Joanna reads us in a half Australian, half British accent. Think Chris Hemsworth in Thor, and I like bonus points. <laughs> 
<laughs> and the people love accents, a, so I figure we should do it. It's been a challenging day, so let me ra- raccoon my way up this building and try to do that. Um, what, what, like, what is something that Thor says? It ends in brother, whatever it is, but not a Desmond brother, but a different brother. Oh, you're you know? gonna you're gonna go directly into Desmond here. You just saying that out loud doomed yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I can't think of anything Thor says. Okay, imagine that I have a cape and a hammer, I guess. What, like, I know him from work. All right, okay. Um, uh, which is the best Christopher Columbus film? Personally, like, I don't know. How do you put Australian in that? I don't know. Uh, personally, it's Mrs. Doubtfire, but there are some other strong contenders, mate. I cried at Bison <laughs> Teddy Old Man. <laughs> Time. I, think it's, I think it's, ah, like, Mrs. Doubtfire. <laughs> Fire. fire, Mrs. Doubt, fire. But there are some other strong contenders, mate. I, <laughs> I cried at Bicentennial Man. Please don't tie me kangaroo down or throw shade. Um, all right. So the best Chris Columbus film is the question. <laughs> yeah. Before I answer, I would like to say I would love to at some point in this podcast to have a professional dialogue coach on just to just to have no. some play around time. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, if you listen uh, and that's what you do, I don't know why you listen to our podcast. Uh, but if you do, <laughs> Not for the accents, but for the pop culture opinions. <laughs> but if you do and you want to help fix me, um, you know. Uh, can right, I take I'm this gonna, one? Oh, oh, you're going to go first. Go, don't no, do it. Oh, I was just going to piggyback off of Thor and say, if we're doing if we're doing favorite and not best, which I know he said best, but it's inherent in the question. Uh, I watched Adventures in Babysitting tons yeah. of times as a child, uh, which, of course, has Vincent D'Onofrio uh, playing a mechanic who is mistaken for Thor. That's what that connection is. But uh, if you have not checked out Adventures in Babysitting and have a tolerance for 1980s Christopher Columbus humor, uh, I would definitely check it out. It's a Elizabeth Shue uh, gets more than she bargains for while babysitting. <laughs> she scales that building like a raccoon, man. She does. <laughs> Boy, let me tell you what. Um, uh, do you remember any of the lyrics of the Babysitting Blues, Dave? Uh, no, I, no, I don't. Uh, it goes something like, it goes something like, I got the baby sitting blues and the background goes, baby, baby, baby sitting blues. I mean, did I remember the chorus? Yes. But she has like this whole talk verse about like, I know. Station wagon broke down. Found my boyfriend in a restaurant. Had to serve his ass. Creepy redhead kids creeping on me. (laughs) Snuck a Playboy in the car. Playboy more trouble than it's worth. (laughs) And my friends talking to a rat. I got the baby. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And all these like, and probably this entire jazz club is or blues club is like that's great. It's not okay. Elizabeth Shue, you're fantastic. Adventures in Babysitting. I'm gonna uh piggyback on Bicentennial Man and pick. Another late 90s Chris Columbus film that exposes me for a softy and say stepmom. Um, on uh, this film stars Susan Sarandon, Ed Harris, Julia Roberts. Uh, oh, what's her name? That actress that I really, really like who played uh, Joanna in The Hunger Games. Um, anyway, uh, the... Jenna Malone. The, yep, Jenna Malone. There you are. Baby Jenna Malone has a 
bitchy preteen. It's great. Um, so, you know, I want to bring up stepmom, not just because it made me openly weep in the theater, despite being like so saccharine and like just trying really hard to make me weep, but also because um, on on one of my other podcasts, uh, still watching Westworld, we were trying to come up with uh, movies where Ed Harris plays the nice guy. <laughs> And for some reason, Richard and I could only think of the movie Milk Money, but Stepmom, well, most people are like, you didn't pick the right stuff. You're so dumb. But also Stepmom is a, is a nice guy at Harris performance. So there you go. Stepmom is my choice. Neil? Nice. Yes. I'm going with the easy one, uh, which is Mrs. Doubtfire. But for specific wait, reasons. Wait, wait, wait. First of all, what? that's not the easy one. Home Alone's the easy one. Yeah. Home Alone's the moon ball. I mean, or, no, or, I think or one, of the, is or one of the Harry Potters, I guess. You know? eh, the early Harry Potters, though. Um, no, here, I, I remember specifically seeing Mrs. Doubtfire. Mrs. Doubtfire is like the other movie. Like, I remember specifically seeing Jurassic Park, and that was like a huge thing. Mrs. Doubtfire, I remember uh, for, I guess, similar reasons that it was it was a very fun movie but also that we went to see it on christmas day and it was like a packed theater and it was like a hundred degrees inside the theater um and it was just very like the most uncomfortable thing uh sitting like three rows from the front so the fact that i liked it despite those awful conditions uh has always had mrs doubtfire be a you know sweet spot in my heart uh the other reason is i when i was younger i was just fascinated by Harvey Firestein's voice. <laughs> like, just in general, I was like, I will watch David, Mrs. Doubtfire. There's a aliens over, over the Empire State Building. Yes. So, <laughs> the fact that I'm really fascinated by Harvey Firestein's voice explains a lot of my movie taste from the 90s. <laughs> so, there's that. Once again, professional like, dialogue coach. Yeah, remember that time when I like struggled to do a Thor accent, and then Dave's like, "Oh, BT Dubs, here's my <laughs> Harvey Firestein that I've had in my back pocket this whole time." All um, it takes is years of unhealthy living and watching Independence Day, <laughs> which actually doesn't sound that bad. <laughs> Work for Harvey Firestein. All right. Uh, email from James. Do we think it's possible that one of the unnamed parks? This is in Westworld in brackets. In fact, is in fact Gilligan's Island. Think about it. The castaways were on the island a long time, yet they always seemed to be stuck in very concise 25-minute loops. They were clearly hosts. Meanwhile, all sorts of different people uh, and different places were constantly visiting that supposedly remote, remote island. They were clearly the guests, except for the Harlem Globetrotters. They had to be hosts as well. They're way too weird to be real people. Thoughts? <laughs> Um. Obviously, yes. Obviously, yes. Yes, headcanon Gilligan's Island. For sure. I like that you could apply this to a bunch of different TV shows, though. Like you could go back and be like, "Hmm, interesting." Yeah. Maybe this is Westworld. What's okay? Um, what's the most impactful TV show for them to reveal was in Westworlds? Like if the bar from Cheers. Like I think that's what I thought too. Like if you have like if you you know. I don't know if you ready player one, the bar from cheers and they actually like walk into it and like young Kelsey Grammer's there. I'd freak out. <laughs> any, <laughs> any excuse to have more pressure. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, yeah. I, I mean, hundred percent. Yes. Cheers. Uh, cheers right, at Gilligan's cool. Island. We've both decided are in Westworld. 
Done. For sure. Um, okay, so these last two questions came from the Slack. We're talking a lot about the Slack, but it, it's very fun, and we're doing it. We do a lot of it. So there's a little um, there's a little mailbag channel in there that you can just send us questions. All yes. The time. Yes. Um, okay, so this first one is from Liz, uh, who we met at Con of Thrones. Hooray! Yay. Um, who are each of you rooting for in the World Cup? And I have a prepared answer if you guys need to go look up who's playing in the World Cup. Hey, F you. I don't like that notification. <laughs> I am such a bandwagon finals playoffs kind of person. Oh, yeah. Uh, congratulations on basketball. Yeah. It's c- over now. Condolences on basketball. Um, <laughs> all right. Um, I love the World Cup. Uh, I am rooting for Mexico, uh, but they are not expected to go very far. So probably after that, I will root for Germany. Mm. That is very front runnery. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you have a favorite. Sorry, I like for rooting Cup. for winners. <laughs> <laughs> I have a uh, in this house we support Iran, Iran bias, um, which is you know not going to work out. But I'm not going to tell anyone that. Go soccer. Yeah, I do think that the funniest outcome would be Russia or Iran winning. Yes, I mean, just definitely like on a global level, just hilarious. We're, we're, so I, I also live with, like, uh, whatever Joanna is, a final sports person. Uh, the finals of anything will draw her in, but it turns out that uh, last World Cup we were actually uh, living apart for a period of time. And so this year she's like, oh, man, it's World Cup season again. I'm going to apologize ahead of time. I'm like, what are you talking about? She's like, you don't know how into the World Cup I am. We have been living in different states for the past two World Cups. I have no idea what I'm in for. But she's like, I become some sort of football monster. It's going to be interesting. So because of for fi- I cannot, to fear for my I life. I cannot wait to do a special segment about Java's soccer fandom. Yeah, to fear for, because Sports I fear for my Twitter. life. Uh, go team java uh, all the time um i have two picks uh i normally i try and uh, like i'll pick like the smallest country that's not supposed like like a like a senegal uh, or a tunisia those are both uh real countries um but this year i think what? my i have, I have <laughs> what those are real countries who doesn't know that senegal and tunisia are real countries I don't know. They sound funny. Um, uh, I don't like that. <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> um, my 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 heart is with the South Korean team because if any country deserves a win right now, they're they're living in a stressful stressful life. Um, so go South Korea. When when South Korea eventually loses, I will be rooting for Argentina because I don't know they have Messi. So there we go. I don't. I, everybody tells me I should root for Germany because, like, I don't know. I have family from Germany, I guess, but that's not good enough. For, so there's that. So that, okay. there's that. The not here, the hereditary fandom did not work on Neil. Yeah, no, I'm not buying any of these 23 and Me commercials that are like, it's in your blood. You could be a fan of Germany. And I'm like, I don't know. Germans, I don't like them. Okay, so, I, I mean, I'm usually not like, a fan of sidebars. Like Angela Merkel? No? Okay. I mean, Germans are fine, like, in general, as people. I'm not not besmirching all Germans. Mm. It's just, like, their soccer team is kind of like the Warriors, and I don't like it. Would you yeah, guys do I that DNA test thing? Or have you? Have you done the DNA test thing? 20, 23 uh, and me. 
or any uh, one done, of its uh, equivalents. I've done one for like fitness or lack of fitness. No, I did an allergy blood test. This is close as I got. Interesting. Yeah, I was like, I'm always interested because ancestry is interesting, but then like stuff happens, like they find the Golden State Killer because one of his relatives registered blood, and I'm like, oh, you're part of a database. Got to keep my biometrics where I can see him. Anyway, right. that was a- for all your for all your murders <laughs> that you're covering up, <laughs> <laughs> or your or your heist that you pulled on a Costco. <laughs> Okay, Colorado. (laughs) Nobody could say for sure whether anything that Joanna said this entire episode is true. So just apply that to every everything else. I do know the worst babysitter blues. Some of them. That's true. We'll we'll see about that. Um, uh, All right. uh, Last question is from the Slack from Casina. What would your roller derby names be? Whether you want to be a skater or referee, you get to pick a name. It's one of the best parts of those early stages of Derby. Thrones teams are great, but any pop culture puns will suffice here, I think. Example, Princess Slaya was another one of my choices, but it was already taken. So I was talking about this last night with my roommate Diana and our friend Summer, both of whom were at Con of Thrones this year. And the reason that the Slack is talking about roller derby, by the way, is because we're trying to get like a Thrones-themed roller derby uh, event to be at the next Con of Thrones. Don't you think that would be amazing? Like a bunch of roller skating babes, like with Thrones-themed names going after each other, like house versus house. I am or like, like a thousand percent for this idea. Or like Because I've, I've seen it lo- roller derby live here yeah. in Austin and it's so much fun. Yeah. Or like a game bowl but like roller derby so um so yeah so we were talking a lot about game of thrones names and i can't remember if this was in the slack but it's definitely either diana or summer brought it up to me last night when we were talking about it uh one of them said this and i'm just gonna steal it from them and it was cersei slamming to her uh so that would be my name <laughs> <laughs> nice Thanks. dave do you have a good pun pun name i, d- I don't have a good pun name i'm struggling All right, with i have puns I have two, so I'll, I'll buy some time for you. Thank you. Uh, one fits into the Clegane Bowl theme that Joanna just mentioned, which uh, I may have stolen off of Reddit. Sorry. Uh, this one, but it's too good. It's it's the mountain that skates. Nice. Yeah. It's nice. great. And, and it, it fits my aesthetic as well. Although there is one that fits my aesthetic probably a little bit better. Uh, and this one, I think I made up by myself. I don't know if it's from anywhere, uh, and uh, this is going to need some explaining, but it's Robert Armbarathian, and an armbar is like a thing that you do in roller derby, so it's very like, it's it's in the weeds of roller derby, and Robert Baratheon is sort of my, if I ever cosplay, that's the easiest one. Um uh, Christina, I was looking back at like some of the names that Christina came up with in the Slack. I guess Cer- Cersei Slamister was already in the Slack. I think that Maddie came up with that one, but like uh, Slam into her, I, I actually like just a smidge better with all due respect to our friend Maddie. Uh, dire Bitch <laughs> is a good one. Arya Snark. And then for for uh, for Neil, Robert Bismashian. <laughs> and <laughs> Hold Lador. And, uh, yeah, so those are some. Dave, did we buy you enough time? I think so. It's not good. But since I'm a referee, I'm going to be in my Starfleet uniform and be Scar Trek. Great. Great, great, great. <laughs> Love it. 
So if you guys have a, uh, if you're in the Slack, the Roller Derby channel is is the Whip It channel. So you can go talk to them in there. Uh, if you find us on Twitter, tweet at us your pun names. I would love to hear them. Uh, I, uh, here's what I know about a potential roller derby in 2019 at Connet Thrones. That would be a massive challenge to uh, Don't Fall Down 2019. The oh, derby. yeah. That would be oh, very yeah. counter to Don't Fall Down. Yeah. We'd We're going to have to come up with a whole different thing for 2019. <laughs> we could make like the it's Catholic Church and get uh, paid pardons. Get on that paid pardons uh, racket. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, that one reviewer is going to be mad. Uh, probably. Uh, I did. I said. I already said that. Like all comedy was ending because the world was ending. So we're, we're yes. We're, we're way we're way off base. But I mean, we're just we're staying on brand. You know. Yeah. We're on brand. We're on goddamn time. Neil, what are we doing next week? Well, next week we're going to be showing up on time as well because if we didn't, Elastigirl would be very disappointed in us. Uh, we are going to be talking about The Incredibles two, which is a great movie about a baby. That's all I'm going to say for now. So uh, we're going to talk Incredibles 2 and other Pixar things, I guess. So if you have any Pixar-related questions, uh, this is probably your one time this year you'll get a chance to ask us. So there we go. Yeah, and uh, so Neil, you've seen it. Joanna and I haven't seen it, right? I've seen like half an hour of it in the short. All right, Mm. so she's seen medium of it. I've seen none of it, but have heard there's a raccoon villain and so that seems very on brand for. This I don't know week's. about like villain antagonist, <laughs> um, foe. I don't know. I don't know why I'm parsing the word villain. I just don't think that raccoon is villainous. I guess. I mean, that could be something Wait, we discuss. A raccoon. This is... <laughs> Neil, I have seen so me? much less of this movie than you have. <laughs> <laughs> now I can't think of there being a raccoon in the movie. Uh, I'll tell you. I'll we'll tell fit. you off air. <laughs> oh wait, I know it. Never mind. Yeah, uh, will you agree with high me? High quality raccoon content. Okay, in this good. Movie. Yeah, I was gonna you, say most of the people I've seen it like the raccoon part. So you were puzzled. I saw that. Yes. I saw that raccoon part way back at D twenty three. Like that raccoon right, part's been it's around very for early a while. in the movie. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Um, great. The raccoon is great. Excellent. It's all great. So our, I'll get this all straightened out by next week, I promise. Uh, go see Incredibles 3. It's out this weekend. Our prayers are Two. with all raccoons. And uh, until next time, guys, where can people find more of your work online? Let's start with Neil Miller. Uh, you get me over at filmschoolrejects.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Rejects. You can get in on Neil's Theory Corner, patreon.com slash stormofspoilers. Sign up for that. Get my theories. Uh, you can also email the show still storm of spoilers at gmail.com. Remember Pixar stuff. Sure. Why not? And, uh, follow us on Twitter at storm of spoilers where we're going to tweet a lot about the slack and Joanna Robinson. Uh, you can find me on vanityfair.com. You can find me on newsstands right now. Cause my, uh, Amelia Clark cover story Woo! is yeah! out in the world. Uh, and you can find me on Twitter at Joe wrote this. And I'm Dave Gonzalez. You could find me on Twitter at DA7E. I would really just, you know, click that link at the top to some of my writing. It's going to be a Westworld timeline. Otherwise, I can't guarantee that the content is going to please you. You can also find me on Thrillist.com, on Polygon.com, and in our Slack. And until next time, as always, stay vertical, don't fall down.